Gosh, this is so awesome, man. I never in a million years thought something like this would happen. Out of turn number four come the most powerful weight models on the planet, the world of outlaws. I call Scott my dad, and uh, <laughs> nothing like the best in the business, breathing down your throat your first outlaw in. Welcome back, everyone, to episode number 12 of Stick Signals. We are back with another good one here this weekend, and episode 12 is going to be good because 12 is my favorite number. I I have a fun story about it, but we won't get into that. Uh, Mick, how are you, my friend? I'm doing good, Ruben. How are you doing? Well, you just said all that. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, how are you? Not bad. Not bad. It's been a, been a very busy week for me, but you know, we're just rolling through here, getting ready for Mississippi Thunder. I get it. The good vibes are in the air, guys. Boone was a uh, let's wrap up Boone real quick. Uh, Boone was fun. The facility, um, Mike, you were with me in the infield. The fans were just electric during every heat race, whether it was a stock cars, the modifieds or us. When something would happen, they would absolutely lose their mind. They were so electric. Uh, this this place was awesome, in my opinion. And the food was great. Sadly, I didn't get to try it, but I heard you got to try it. Oh, oh, yes. Uh, the The beef sandwich was great the uh steak sandwich was great uh, it, it was all good I, I i thoroughly enjoyed it it was a lot of fun pretty good concession stand always but pretty good track too i really like just the facility in general the catwalks especially around it where you, like in the hot laps on saturday i went up and stood and watched from up there it was awesome yeah. yeah the catwalks were really cool and the cool thing about it it was standing room only literally the fans surrounded the whole facility it was a really nice thing to see uh honestly uh we i hyped up boone a lot going into the weekend i'm just always positive and upbeat but i mean boone puts on a badass race no matter what but uh in my opinion i thought it would be better if it was a 50 lap race because it it kind of locked down with 49 to go um but i mean still the opening lap was Strickler and Moyer. It was good. Um, but I, I, I do see us returning. I think it was a good race. I do too. I mean, it's, you know, it was, you're right, it locked down toward the end. But at the same time, just the first 50 laps, there's a lot of storylines you could pull. Like, you know, Bobby's ascension on that one restart where he gets four cars and ends up in the lead. I, I don't think any of us saw that coming. And it was a great run for Pearson. He seems to be, uh, he's the leading money winner on the tour this year. So from two wins, yeah. I tell you what. He's racking up some big ones and he's got the chance to yeah. do it again, but we'll do that. We'll get to that a little bit later. Yeah, so let's go and uh, talk about the first night. Kay Dillard, well-deserved win after two heartbreaking seconds. So the, obviously the first one coming at Volusia Speedway Park in the season opener to Bronson, and then the second to Bobby at the Illini. I mean, and he moved up three spots in the points too. Cade needed this win. Um, Mike, I know. Uh, oh no, it was JC our photographer that loved the white scheme. Well, Cade takes a, the white the white scheme one weekend back to red, and bam, he's in victory lane. It was a good run for him and I know you and I talked about it it was the same car he ran at Farmer City that he finished second and almost stole the Illini 100 back then and I'll tell you what it was a good car and I I think a lot of people when they saw Brandon Shepard out in front in that first race all right here's 70 well somebody clearly jinxed it again because Dillard got a great run through traffic and got underneath him and it was a great pass and it was a good good win for Cade a momentum building win for Cade he was good on Saturday too just had a little bit of trouble in the early portion of that race and it took him a while to get back get back up but Definitely a much-needed win for Cade, and I think his momentum's going to start rolling in the right direction. Yeah, I think so, too. Cade had the better car on Friday, I'm going to say, because he took a shot on the outside. He could go on the bottom, and obviously he made his pass there. So Cade just had an excellent car. And the thing about Cade, they were excited to go to Boone, and they're excited to go to Mississippi Thunder, a track that they have a lot of experience in with a modified. Uh, we'll talk about his points, how he did uh, coming up here in just a few moments. Shannon Babb in a Team Zero car. So at the end of Feature 1, we did an invert. Got, uh, Cade pulled out the number 12. Babb started on the pole. He'd go on to win. Um, Shannon Babb, it's pretty cool to see him win. Obviously, his first race of the season was at Farmer City. So to have a month under his belt this year and come with an outlaw win, that's huge for Babb. Now, don't get me wrong. That invert definitely helped Babb, and he'll be the first one to tell you that. He told me after the race, hey, sometimes this game's a little bit of luck. And that was the case. And he was he was good right from the jump in that one. It was a good three-wide battle between him, mm-hmm. Logan Martin, and Frank Ekenast off one restart, too. And he was the one that came, just rolled it right through the middle. And a good win for Babb. That does count an official series win, by the way, even though it was a non-point event, the second feature, but because it was a full field, just so we're clear on that. I know there was a lot of questions on that Friday and Saturday night, but that's that's where we're, we stand with that. So a big win for him. And, you know, Babb, no stranger to victory lane, and he was pretty happy, and he battled back and got a top three the second night, too. Yeah, so to clear up on that, Kay Dillard, his first one was a Votto, second was the Firecracker, 
third was that Friday night at Boone. So Cade has a total of three Morton Building feature wins. And for Shannon Babb, that was career win number 13. For uh, Shannon, I really hope this continues into the summer. I know if he runs Summer National, which he's going to run Dirt Car Summer National events this year, he's going to pull out the rocket. He won't use a Team Zero during Dirt Car Summer National events. But um, one of the big storylines the past two years uh, for the Summer Nationals is Billy Moyer has 100 wins with the Dirt Car Summer Nationals. Shannon Babb has 98. They're the top two most winningest drivers. Can Babb break that this year? Well, that's going to have a, uh, this is going to affect that going into the summer. A lot of momentum for Babb. Uh, touching back on Bobby Pierce, how you said he's won a lot of money. $50,000 between both wins. Uh, did it just take that first outlaw win to break the ice? I think it did. You know, they always say that first one's the hardest and you know, when we get to a couple of our news and notes in a little bit, I'll make that same claim on something else. But it seems like the domino is just going to start falling. And, you know, it's a pretty good team coming out of Oakwood, Illinois, and they're doing well. And when the big money's on the line, he's shined so far. And I don't think this is going to be his last one in 2021. Just no. I, I, watching him race, there's something I noticed. It, it seemed like he he's learned how to pace himself and know when to – to back off a little bit and not make that pass right now, you've got 10 more laps to try to make it. And it's that discipline that you learn breaking through that first one that keeps you uh, in, in victory lane. Yeah, he's just better in the longer distance races too. 75 lapper at Farmer City, 100 laps. I talked to Bobby at the end of the, of the night and he said, I'm just way better at those. And I told him, you're going to do good on Summer Nationals this year. And his mom right away said, nope, you know, we're not going to do very good on Summer Nationals. And I said, why is that? He's like, those are very short races. They're 30 lap races. Bobby does better in the longer distance races. And you look at him, he's obviously won the, the Silver Dollar Nats and all these other longer races. I mean, he, he's he's better in the longer distance races, but I don't know. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how his summer goes but that's a good point i don't think that's his outlaw win will he win this weekend let's let's try to answer that i say he doesn't win friday because it's 40 laps i say his chances are better saturday with 60 i'm laps. gonna agree with you but i also want to see what the track's like when we get there too because we don't know how we we don't know how racy it's going to be i've never seen a race at mississippi thunder i don't i know you've probably seen videos ruben at least with them with the modifieds I, I know we saw augustin i saw a video with augustin and Cade going side by side but i want to see how racy the track's going to be before i make that official claim on that, but I think you know if you look at trends, Saturday night's probably a better shot for Bobby. How many laps is Saturday night's feature? 60. 20 yeah. to five okay. to win. Yeah, I've never seen a lap at that track either. Ruben, have you been there? I've never been there, but I've seen a lot of racing there with uh, USMTS and man, I, I, yeah, I shared that video on Twitter where it's Gustin and Diller just slide jobbing each other, yeah. lap after lap and corner after corner. I mean, again, I don't want to get too excited because obviously we saw Boone how racy it was in the late models one, and it wasn't the same. But I, I'm pretty sure Mississippi Thunder is going to be just as good. Um, but I don't, you know, want to get ahead of myself. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's going to race very well. This, this place slicks off very well, and I just want to touch on on Boone that is actual Iowa dirt it's not clay it's actual Iowa dirt they have wood chips uh that they they put into the track and yeah and it keeps moisture I, in the track I wanted to talk about the wood chips thing is is that something they do at other tracks or is that just something to do at Boone you know I don't know if other tracks do it I'm pretty sure there's another track in the country that possibly can do it so I'm not going to say they're the only ones but I know uh this is the place that I've heard of they do it because super nationals they have close to a thousand cars that they race there yeah it's a big event and to keep moisture on the track they put these wood chips in there and Jerry Van Sickle said it the wood chips just dissolve into the dirt and obviously just they just compost down they turn into carbon which in carbon does some really important things to soil structure which is why that gumbo so different than the clay down down here in the south yeah so that's yeah i mean there's almost like investing in their track surface right because as that wood breaks down over time that soil is just going to keep having that beautiful moisture retention so that's cool yeah exactly yeah and and those imca hoosier tires by the way they're 75 percent made out of plastic 25 percent rubber so i mean come on our our, our tires compared to those tires you you gotta look at that a little bit as well but no i mean yeah the the track was great um that iowa dirt was good coming up to uh, fountain city i'm not exactly sure what the surface is like um i don't know if it's dirt or if it's actual clay i think it's actual clay but i've seen obviously a lot of video and it slicks off really nice so i going into this weekend it's going to be good the one thing um too i think with the iowa weather i was kind of surprised we were going to get 81 and windy over the weekend yeah. in early May. That was a little shocking, especially after, you know, the last time we were in the Midwest, we were, you know, freezing. Freezing. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. That's true. <laughs> One thing I think with Mississippi Thunder to keep in mind, though, too, it's right on the Mississippi River. Just want to clarify so everybody realizes, too, this track is in Wisconsin, not Mississippi. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It's just a- I know that may sound like it's a crazy thing, but a lot of people have actually asked that question. 
It's because, a very long river. It covers a few states. Yeah, yeah just a couple. <laughs> but it is, no. it's, it's, it's basically on the Wisconsin-Minnesota border. Yeah, it's way up there. Yeah, no, that's true. Uh, by the way, we're going to enjoy some good cheese curds this weekend. The one thing I love oh, about going yeah. to Wisconsin. And obviously, it's not our last weekend in Wisconsin. We have a lot coming up. Obviously, the big one, USA Nats. But anyway, uh, yeah, you're, you're completely right. It was 90 degrees the second day and obviously 80 degrees that first day and, and completely windy. So with the track surface, obviously, that didn't help allow the moisture soak in during the day because it was super windy. I mean, super windy and it was hot. But uh, no, you're exactly right. And obviously that played a big factor to it. Um, I thought it was kind of cool watching all their John Deere tractors go around. The way they farm the track there is like, I don't know if I've ever seen anything like that either. There's like 10 tractors out there at one time. That's a show in itself. Literally like the, the rollers yes. will go into the infill and just roll in circles while everybody else is on the track. Like it's all, it's yeah, a whole yeah. show in itself. Like it is, it it's takes a lot of coordination. choreographed. Yeah. Yeah. Literally. It was so cool to see. The first day we got there on Thursday, we took a drive out back to turns three and four, and they have all their equipment back there. There was like eight John Deere tractors and all this equipment. It was really nice, and it's very efficient. The only track I've been to that has been that efficient and that good with track equipment was Tri-State Speedway in Hopstad, Indiana. That place is yeah. second to none. Yeah. But then I went to Boone, and it's like, holy cow, they throw the fire truck and the school buses at you too on the track. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was a whole show in itself. So hats off to everyone at Boone. Uh, the place was amazing. Good facility and I didn't expect it to be that banked. So I can't wait to walk up to Mississippi Thunder and, and see that place. Um, it's a 3-8. Last time we were at a 3-8, you know who won, Mike? You know who won? I believe it was Jimmy Owens and Brandon Shepard. Exactly, but the, those did not count. So this weekend, obviously, both nights will count. So that was the last time we were at a 3-8. Cherokee, now we go to another 3-8. That's going to be fun. Uh, let's touch on this one real quick before we get into news and notes. Uh, rookie of the year. A uh, new leader there, Tyler Bruning, with Gustin charging as well. Gustin moved up three spots in the points. You know, it, it's it's a weird thing to take a look at, though, when you really think about it, because at the end of the day, I'll argue Strickler was better than Bruning in that feature. The finish just didn't show. because I, I talked to Kyle after a race. If Kyle doesn't end up in that incident, which he said a lot of that was just the line he has, to, that diamond line he was running off at turn number two, and that contact doesn't happen with Ricky Weiss, he's a top five. He finishes in the top five. I'm not yeah. saying he wins the race, but he gets a top five. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Strickler looked fast. Obviously, he was in the redraw again. Remember the last time he was in the redraw, he won. You know what I mean? So Strickler's just bad fast. He's really he's been really good at the beginning, but then yeah, just ran that one and two just like a diamond. How he used to in the modifieds. I mean, he's he probably had the most laps out of any driver going into that weekend. Two time Super Nationals champion. So that's unfortunate uh, for Strickler, but he's not out of the ball game, guys. The points are still pretty tight. Let's go. Let's go to look at the points going into Mississippi Thunder this Friday and Saturday, May seventh and eighth. Brandon Shepard, your leader, now uh, by an extra ten points. He was uh, by forty six. Now it's by fifty six going into this weekend over Chris Madden, who also had a good weekend. Chris Madden, obviously far away from home, uh, salvaged a good finish. He is a second, third. Now Tyler Bruning. Bruning went up one over the weekend. He is 94 points behind Shepard. Kyle Strickler moved down one. Remember, he was tied with Madden for second. He's now in fourth, 104 behind. Ricky Weiss didn't move up or move down. He's fifth. And Ricky, well, his consistency is kind of back. I'm going to say Ricky's doing pretty good right now in that seven. Uh, I think that's a team to, to keep an eye on here in the near future. And he's another guy that, until that contact with Strickler, probably had a good shot to win that race. You don't, you don't know... I don't want to say Bobby still doesn't make that move to get to the lead, but it, it didn't it didn't help Ricky any with that with the right front of that car. So, you know, it, it, he could have been a contender to possibly win that race too and get his first one of the season. Yeah, just uh, Ricky was up to fourth um, early in that race after starting eighth. So Ricky was definitely moving. He was up there. Yeah, he, he was definitely coming as a look at the lineup there. But yeah, R Ricky was good. I think he's a guy to keep your eye on here in the near future. Um, I don't know. I, I just think uh, help is going to is going to be affected there. Dana's going back to Canada. Sean Gage is kind of busy. And Ricky says he's he's been looking for help. It's really only him and Sean. And and one of his sponsor guys came down from Canada this weekend. But that was really it. So Ricky's going to be hurting for help. So hopefully that doesn't affect them. Uh, they're fifth in points. They didn't move up or down over the weekend. They stayed in fifth. Cade Dillard. Obviously, we talk about him moving up three spots. He was ninth. He's now sixth, 164 points behind. Dennis Herb Jr. didn't move up or down. He stays seventh. Ryan Gustin up three, eighth in points, and then Boom Briggs ninth, Brent Larson in tenth. So that's your top ten in World of Outlaw points going into Mississippi Thunder. 
I want to hit on real quick. You just mentioned, you know, help being an issue with Weiss. That's an issue with almost every team, it seems like, this year. I mean, Chase Chase had a hard time getting help, and now he's off the tour, and Strickler's had a hard time getting help. Weiss has a hard time getting help. I wonder, I don't know, <laughs> is there just a shortage of mechanics out there, or is it just a willingness to, to go on the road that's, that's hard to find? Well, I was talking to Ricky Weiss and them after the program on Saturday, and they said nobody wants to work. <laughs> I, I yeah. He just said everyone's being lazy right now. No one wants to work, and people just can't go on the road right now. So it, it's kind of a, a tough deal. And, and the way I look at it, I feel, I mean, because teamwork is everything. These guys work so mm-hmm. hard. They get the joy to drive these cars just for, you know, less than an hour. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, an hour at most. And it's a lot of work. And you look at the guys up in the points. Shepard, he, I mean, obviously, Joel, Austin, Danny, that's a that's a well-established team with Mark Richards. You look at Chris Madden, he has a good team. Tyler Bruning, he has a good team. Uh, and and Strickler, I mean, he had a good team. And, and now, you know, he's, he's scrambling to get back. Ricky Weiss. He, he has a good team. He's doing good. Now we're going to see how that affects him. Cade has a good crew. I mean, he, he's been with with uh, Donnie for a long time back in his USMTS days. And Dennis Herb, I mean, yeah, you know, Dennis just has Heather. So it, it's it's tough. It's a tough deal. Gustin obviously had some issues, but he has um, his two guys, Noah and and Brett and, and Boom, obviously. So, I mean, yeah, team help is, is a hard thing to do. I mean, I, I really don't know the answer to that. But uh, And it's uh, it's more than just bodies, too, right? Like, oh, fine, I got three guys to come help me, but there's a chemistry and you have to get along with each other and you spend a lot of time together. So, you know, that's an element to the whole touring thing. Yeah, and another thing is, you know, if you let's say I hire you, Mick, uh, on, on, on my team and I hire you, my like, do you guys know what to do? Or do I still have to train you on race day? You know what I mean? Like teaching them and all that stuff. And that's that's one thing that a lot of drivers uh, do point to my attention is finding good help is hard. So, uh, yeah, that, that that's a tough deal. Uh, it's a tough tour. And, I mean, that's why it's so hard to win an outlaw championship. Well, continuing on our news and notes, uh, Mike, obviously, uh, if you read his article, Race Fans, this is 193rd track uh, for the World of Outlaws. Uh, fourth new weekend in a row, Bristol. Then we had an off weekend. Richmond. Bush Creek was supposed to be new, but that obviously Mother Nature didn't let it happen. No, no, and then that you wouldn't have, have been new technically. That's right, because you had Bristol, Richmond. I guess Richmond counts as, as new that weekend. And then you had um, Boone and then obviously Mississippi Thunder before we get to some familiarity with the tour at Port Royal. But yeah, uh, a bunch of new things, and it's been producing some pretty good racing. Uh, this Friday, 40 laps, 12,500 to win. Saturday, 60 laps, 22,500 to win. And a $5,000 bonus to any driver that can clean sweep the weekend presented by Dynamic Concrete Resurfacing. Can anyone clean sweep the weekend and grab the five grand? I think it's possible. I think with the cars we are expecting, it's going to be harder. That's true. We are expecting some pretty good cars this weekend. I know T-Mac plans on coming, uh, JD, and and a lot of other guys uh, plan on coming. So we're in for a good weekend. And joining us this weekend as well are the USRA Mods. So it should be a pretty good, efficient, quick program with just the World of Outlaws, Morton Buildings, Late Model Series, and the USRA Modifieds. If you plan on watching or attending race fans this Friday, hot laps begin at 6.30 p.m. Central. Saturday, hot laps begin at 5.30 p.m. Central. One more more note. Last week, uh, our guest was Tyler Jackson, the the Durkar Esports driver, and he made his, his real-world debut this uh, last weekend. He finished 15th after starting 22nd, and he actually said that his real-life debut went a little bit better than his iRacing debut. So maybe there's hope for him to stay in a, one of those dirt car stock cars and, and race with us a little bit more often. Yeah, well, that's pretty cool. Mike, you got any last uh, news and notes for us? I think one of the biggest things we got to talk about, and it's really the biggest running storyline all year, is Shepard's long road to 70. His 70th win just hasn't come yet, and he's been close. I, I mean, Friday night, he was knocking on the door. But one thing you got to remember, Saturday night almost is like a win for Shepard. Not on the books, but because it was Pierce and Babb who are not running the tour full-time, he was the first tour regular over the line, and that made a huge difference. And if he keeps doing that, this is why he's going to keep increasing like he did on Madden this weekend. Can Shepard win a championship and not win a race? Hands down. I don't think he will. <laughs> it's a long season. I don't think he will either. I but. mean, we're, we're closing in on the first quarter of the season. This is only the first quarter. And, and yeah, Shepard, just how I said, that that's 11 top 10s already. I mean, that's that's pretty – or, sorry, 10 top 10s for Shepard. Uh, that's pretty darn good for him and obviously five top fives. I, I mean, remember, Shepard didn't get his first win last year till around this time of the year. It was, it was, it was late spring. So I think Shepard um, is going to start springing here soon. 
if if Shepard wins, it's obviously going to be uh, this weekend. I mean, he's very good in the three eights. We talk about that. It's, it's kind of more of his kind of track style. Uh, he qualified better for sure this past weekend. Uh, Shepard, I think, is uh, is back on on the launching pad here this weekend, guys. If I'm going to make uh, here, all right, here, we got to make our predictions now. If I'm going to make a prediction, I'm going to say Brandon Shepard wins this weekend, and I think either Bruning or Gustin can. I think they win either the first night and then Shepard wins the second night. Mike, Mick? I got to admit, I'm kind of surprised that's who Ruben went with. Um, I'm, I'm going to say Madden gets out of the rut. I think it's going to be Madden's second one of the year. I think it'll be a Bruning, Gustin, or Dillard will we'll split the weekend. I don't think it will sweep it. So I, that's three guys, but I, I think Dillard and Bruning probably have the best chance. And then Gustin, You know, I'm glad you said Dillard because obviously he has a lot of laps there with USMTS, him and Gustin. Wow. Yeah. Dillard, Dillard may just... I pay attention, man. Dillard's going to come up to me and Mike be like, <laughs> I don't know why you guys didn't pick me. Y'all are dumb. <laughs> so <laughs> he's going to love you, Mick. So it's going to be a good weekend going into Mississippi Thunder. Uh, I'm excited. It's going to be great, guys. Uh, Mike, we'll see you there, my friend. Uh, safe travels as always. We'll have to enjoy some cheese curds and enjoy the views of the Mississippi River. Mick, uh, are you going to be joining us this weekend? I, I will not be be at home, uh, but I, we did. You know, it was something we didn't talk about. Mike actually spent last night pit reporting yes. for the Super Dirt Car Series. Yes, that's right, Mike. <laughs> how did that go? It was fun. It was fun. Um, obviously, you know, I'm a big block guy. At the end of the oh, day, yeah. that's home for me. So it was good to see everybody. Good. It was a new track for me at Bridgeport, also. And you know, it's it's always a lot of fun. I like being down on pit road. You know, it, it's enjoyable. That's for sure. You did very well. You just have that voice and. I don't know what it is. When you turn on the microphone, like you just turn it on. It's like, man, that's an announcer. You know what I mean? Like you, you, you just sound good. I tuned in for a little bit. Bridgeport looked like a very nice uh, facility and a nice track. And um, you guys had a very good uh, field of cars there. I saw. Yeah. Really, really good field. A lot of the track regulars along with our guys on the tour too. And, you know, I, surprised, I think the most surprising thing, Stuart Friesen didn't win. Yeah. Who, who won? Tim Fuller. Ah, really good when the track gets slick like that. I think there was like 40 big blocks there, right? Uh, yeah. 40 big blocks for a Tuesday night shows I mean, in New Jersey is, is pretty Yeah, cool. the, the biggest thing is for a lot of those guys, it's not that close. No, not at all. I, I do I do know Tim Fuller. I don't know very many big block guys uh, before Evolution. Now I do, but Tim Fuller, I do know him. Very great guy. He used to drive late models. Anyway, uh, Mike, safe travels, my friend. Thanks for joining us. We will see you this weekend. Mick, uh, thanks for all you do. And race fans... Manscape obviously a big supporter, but real quick, merch. Uh, get all your World of Outlaws merch race fans. Store.worldofoutlaws.com. Avoid the long lines at the track, or if you can't be in an outlaw event, just go to store.worldofoutlaws.com. Uh, they got flags, apparel. Uh, I mean, just they got everything on there, from patches to stickers to hats to koozies, you name it. They got even things for the woofies, I believe, and obviously for the kids. So go to store.worldofoutlaws.com. And Manscaped, Mother's Day is this weekend. Give the mother of your kids the gift of some yard work. Get down there and trim that bush to let the spring flowers breathe. While you're at it, give your own mother a gift and get your dad a new Manscaped Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right. The brand new Lawnmower 4.0 is out now. You know, we actually have a couple to give away. Well, we have one to give away. We oh. have one and Open Red have one to give away. We're not sure how we're going to do that yet. Um, follow me, Mike and Ruben on Twitter, and we will, we'll figure out a way to give that away to you guys. Yes, there. So someone can win a lawnmower 4.0. These things are pretty cool. Uh, for Mike Warren on Twitter, it's at sport Mike Warren for Mick. It's at just Mick four. And for myself, it's at dynamite underscore Ruben. So follow us on Twitter. You could have a 4.0 lawnmower, uh, manscape. So that, that's pretty cool. And obviously, uh, stay tuned for that giveaway. Well, Mick, we got to uh, talk to Tyler Bruning, and man, what an interview that was. Third in points, had a good weekend, and he's looking forward to Mississippi Thunder, and he gave us the whole talk about his career. Let's get into it here with Tyler Bruning. Tyler, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing good. How are you guys? Good. Uh, I mean, it was a fun weekend. I know you're probably a busy guy because we just got done with Richmond, then we just got done with uh, Boone. What is what are, what are you doing right now? I feel like you're super busy with the cars and stuff. Yeah. Um, if it's not working on the cars, it's working at the family business. So um, we're kind of in a unique situation ourselves and myself um, with the company business. You know, we have to, you know, make it back every weekend to make sure I'm here for work, uh, throughout the week. So, um, you know, just working away here, making big rocks into little rocks so we can pay for this race team, you know? That's what we were just wondering if you, if you actually got to blow shit up for a living. Oh, absolutely. Uh, we, we shoot at our quarries probably four or five times a week. So, 
um, yeah, we're pretty busy right now. We're getting into the heart of our season. So <clears throat> we're really rolling right now, just getting stuff ramped up and, and, uh, guys are all chomping at the bit to get back to work here. So yeah, we're, we're going full go and we're, you know, if it's not racing, like I said, we're working. So there, there's a quarry that's about a couple, I don't know, probably 15 minutes from my house. And I hear explosives all the time. How many pounds of dynamite do you guys go through to do that stuff? Well, the only aspect of the mining side of it that we don't do is the blasting, mainly just for the liability issues um, with the blasting. So we hire our blasting out, and on my race car, you'll see um, Bennett Explosives um, is a company that we use quite a bit. They're uh, a big sponsor of ours. They support our race team they have for many years, um, as well as Olson Explosives um, here in Decorah is an old family friend of ours. He's a huge supporter of our racing program and racing in general. And uh, um, so those are our two dynamite uh, blasting companies that we use pretty much exclusively. And we're lucky enough to have a good partnership with them through work as well as through the race team. This interview is off to an explosive start. So Tyler, this is so I'm glad you brought this up because obviously my nickname is Dynamite, but I, I loved I, I hate science, but in college, I had to take geology and I love geology. Like, you know, the, the sedimentary, metamorphic, igneous rocks. Now, you may not be, I, I don't know, are you deep in, like, did you take any geology courses? Do you know your rock stuff? Uh, I know it for the sense of limestone and what I have to know as far as the company goes. So I did take geology in school and I mean, hell, that was a long time ago. So I don't know if I'll be able to rattle off any factual information for you but i did take some in school yeah so what's your favorite rock do you have a favorite rock because my favorite rock is chrysocola if you have any please send it my way <laughs> uh i don't know our bread and butter here is limestone so that's where we make all our money um you know but if we're talking precious metals you know there's good money in that as well so nickel platinum you know all that good stuff so well, we don't deal with that. We're just mainly limestone mining. We have some gypsum in our underground mine down in Knoxville, but we don't do much with that. Um, so really, we're, our bread and butter here is limestone. That's very cool. I, I like that a lot. And uh, I could go on days and days talking about that. But anyway, Tyler, uh, again, this is uh, about you, my friend. So how'd you get into motorsports? Well, uh, I guess we our family hasn't necessarily always been drivers, per se, but we're we're working on our third generation here with me as far as being involved in racing. Um, <clears throat> my grandpa back in the day was involved with the sportsman series that raced on Saturday down at Daytona before, you know, the big race on Sunday. So my grandpa and three other guys here up in the Midwest around the decor area, put together a race car. Um, I think it was an old galaxy 500 or something like that. Uh, the car is actually still in existence. It's in a museum up in Minnesota. Um, but anyways, they put together this car as a group and took the car down to Daytona every year and raced in the sportsman series, um, on Saturday. Um, so they had a lot of actually pretty famous drivers drove the car for them. Um, most famous one was Fireball Roberts, um, raced a couple times in their car. Um, I guess Grandpa had a lot of good stories, um, you know, growing up that he'd say about the racing and, you know, being involved with Richard Petty and Yarborough and Fireball and all that. And um, so he was pretty heavily involved with it. Um, he was more on the marketing side. He would kind of go around and get tires for the car, get fuel, or just kind of more on the marketing side of things as far as the race team goes. But um, their claim to fame um, back in the day with their race team was they were the first car to ever bring fuel injection motor to the car, to the track. Um, and what's interesting about that was they, for some reason, their head mechanic wasn't allowed to go into the pits that particular race. So it was their first time running a fuel injection motor car. And he told them, 
whatever, the car will only run, say, 40 laps. If you go 42 laps, it's going to run out of fuel. Well, they went 42 laps, and sure enough, the car ran out of fuel. And they were leading the race at the time with Fireball, and they came into the pits, and with the fuel injection, they couldn't figure out how to get the car started. Oh, no, yeah. uh, That was always a real interesting story for me, you know, just how that all played out. Who who knows where we'd have been if they would have won that race and what could have, you know, would have, could have, should have kind of thing. But so that was always a pretty cool story for me. Do you, do you know what engine was in that thing? I mean, I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't know exactly, you know, what, what engine it had in it. The car, like I said, is still, still up in, I don't, it's Harmony or somewhere up in Minnesota. Um, they actually brought the car to Deer Creek a couple of years ago to put it on show when we were up there racing. So that was pretty cool to see the car again. But, um, you know, most recently my dad raced growing up and he, you know, it was involved in racing. And as a kid, I obviously loved cars and trucks and motorsports and all that good stuff. So I was always really enthused about it. Um, but with him being so busy at work, he didn't really start racing until he was about 40. And, you know, basically climbed the ladder from, you know, bomber car to hobby stock and worked his way up to stock car. Um, so when that was all going around, I'd go to the shop and help him in the shop and pretend like I was doing something or rolling around on the creeper, you know, just trying to be involved um, with any part of the team that I could. So he did that for quite a few years. He was actually pretty successful in the the local stock car reins. Um, um, him and a bunch of his buddies built this Thunderbird stock car that was, you know, pretty dynamite actually back in the days. People around town still talk about it, but um, eventually he worked his way up to late model and uh, did that for a few years. Um, really didn't venture out much. We kind of raced locally, Webster City, Independence. Uh, Dubuque a little bit um, and when he was kind of getting into the late model that's kind of when I was getting ready to climb into the seat or really bugging and itching him to get in the seat so um, it started out basically with a hot lap session one night he let me go out and run hot lap and you know basically I was hooked from then he wasn't getting me out of the seat after that so he raced probably the rest of the year and I would dabble a little bit with hot laps and, and, you know, just running the car a little bit here and there every time I could. And really the first year I was going to start, uh, we took, uh, there was a special over in Cresco, Cresco, Iowa, Cresco Speedway, Howard County fairgrounds. And he raced the night before at the track and so we rented the track the next day for me to kind of turn some laps and, you know, kind of get my way into the seat. Um, so we did that Sunday and this, I mean, I don't quite remember it, but dad and the rest of the guys that were there were, you know, we were turning faster laps with me the day after during the day than they were during the race. So, um, I didn't work my way up through the ranks. I didn't race go-karts. I've never raced anything other than a late model. And when he was ready to retire and step out of the seat, I basically just jumped in and away I went. How old were you when you got in that late model? Uh, well, I, like I said, I started fairly sporadically. You know, I didn't really just start and then I was off and running. It was a couple of years of probably just doing hot laps and working my way in. And, um, in today's world, I guess I call myself kind of a late bloomer as far as racing goes for the drivers, but I would say I was probably, you know, 16 to 18, really just kind of dabbling in it and really didn't start racing full time probably till I was in college. So I would say 18 to 20 years old. What kind of late model was it? Was it a crate or was it a super right out the bat when you started hollapping it? Uh, well, it wasn't a crate engine, but it was IMCA back then. So it was a spec motor, steel block, um, steel block, steel head, you know, kind of engine, spec tire. Um, 
and IMCA was around for quite a while and still is in the other divisions, but you know, most recently got bought out by the Melbourne Bank Series. But you know, that's basically where I grew up racing was IMCA racing, um, very similar to crate racing, really, um, locally, around the house. And, uh, you know, that's basically how I got started. So you you list the Yankee 300 as, as your favorite win. Um, was that a track that you ran at frequently, or is that just kind of a one-off thing? Yeah, I, I mean, honestly, I guess between Farley and Independence, um, Farley is now called 300 Raceway, but it's still the same Farley. Um, that's basically where I raced all the time. Independence was my home track. I still consider Independence my home track where I started racing, but I really did a lot of racing at Farley. Um, won, won a lot of track championships there and Independence and raced a lot at Dubuque, but, um, the Yankee at that time was, and I, in my opinion, still is one of the bigger, if not biggest, uh, races in Iowa, uh, for the IMCA division. It was an open race years ago. Um, but it became an IMCA race and, uh, it paid, you know, like 7,500 to 10,000 to win the race. And at the time, you know, I'd won a lot of Saturday nights, you know, weekly special features and stuff like that, but I've never really had won a big crown jewel race per se up until that point. So that first Yankee win, uh, was a real special win for me and, and the team. Um, you know, cause all the heavy hitters in the area were there. And when you won that race, it was pretty prestigious for our area to win that race. So, um, I actually won that the first time I won it. Um, heck, I don't even remember when it's back in 2012, 11, 12 ish area. We won the race back to back two years in a row. And then didn't win it again for a couple of years and then was lucky enough to win it again for a third time. So we've actually are a three-time champion for the Yankee race. So really proud of that. That means a lot to me. Um, you know, everybody in their kind of own area of the country has their state race. That's a big deal to them. And that was a big deal for us for here in Iowa. So, um, you know, really proud of that. It was a big deal for us and our team and kind of, launched us into starting to venture out and dabble a little bit more in the super races, whether that be World of Outlaws, Lucas Oil, MLRA, um, really what was ever in the area, we'd start to go and venture off and start hitting those races. And you're doing very well in the World of Outlaw world, which we'll talk about in just a little bit. But since we're in the category of you winning your state race, what's a race you'd love to win? What's a bucket list race you'd love to win, Tyler? Well, um, Obviously, anything at Eldora Speedway would be a big deal. Um, the dream, the world, you know, Eldora's coming up here in a few weeks. Um, and that's a big deal to me. I, it, and, you know, the history behind the place and and the prestige that goes with winning one of those races, uh, let alone at that racetrack, is a big deal. Um, but uh, another one that's kind of off the cuff for me that would be big to win would be Knoxville. Um, yeah, obviously being from Iowa and, and in Iowa, it's a, you know, been known for a sprint car type racetrack, but, um, I love Knoxville. I think it's a lot of fun. It's a great racetrack. So it's not far from Decorah. Uh, yeah, not really. I mean, three and a half hours for us anymore. is like running to the grocery store. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's basically it's Southwest in the state of Iowa, down by Des Moines somewhat, and we're up in the northeast corner, about as far north and east as you can get. So, uh, I mean, everything for us is quite a ways, but, uh, yeah, it's it's fairly close for us in the world of traveling around with the series, you know. So do you – both of those are big tracks. Do you prefer bigger tracks? Uh, I guess I do, um, I, which is kind of weird. I grew up racing on 3.8s. And, uh, that style and type of racetrack, but, um, I really enjoy the bigger racetracks, uh, the big half miles or, or tracks that race similar to a half mile. 
Um, I think it just, it takes a lot of driver skill and finesse and a lot of good chassis decisions and adjustments to be good at a track like that. And I just really enjoy that, you know, really letting the driver do the driving of the car and make sure your setup's on point. And I'm not saying you don't have to be a good driver or have to have a good car to win at a bull ring. It's just more elbows up and a cushion. And there's a little bit something there to lean on where the half miles usually don't have those cushions. And it, you know, you just really have to be good with the throttle and, you know, all that good stuff it takes to be a good driver is is what is why I enjoy those types of racetracks. So Bristol obviously has to be the biggest track you've raced at, right? What were your thoughts on that? That was pretty intense. I ain't going to lie. That was pretty intense. Uh, but it was a lot of fun. I actually really liked it. Uh, you know, the, the facility obviously is second to none, first class. Um, and that's what's fun for me is, going to those types of racetracks that, you know, have a first class facility, um, you get to race, um, really that might be the only time we get to do the thing. I know they've done contract for a couple years more of it, but you just never know if you'll be able to make it back or not. So it was important to me. It was a big deal for us to get invited to go. Um, and uh i i really enjoyed it unfortunately we had a little mishap thursday we blew out a right front and and uh hit the wall coming off of uh must have been turn turn two yeah turn two and i have to be honest that was the hardest i've ever hit um so it takes you a minute to kind of build up that confidence again to roll into turn one there wide open and not lift and trust that everything's going to hold on and stay up, you know, but really was a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun and enjoyed doing it. So Port Royal's coming up with the outlaws. Uh, what are some tracks? Cause I mean, obviously Mississippi thunder is going to be a track that, you know, is, is closest to home for you. It's one that we have an eye of Tyler Bruning, you know, getting that Morton buildings feature win. Uh, what are the tracks that you're looking forward to in the outlaw schedule this year? Oh, shoot. I mean, honestly, I've been saying this almost all year now. I keep, I just keep saying, well, we'll just see how this weekend goes. And, uh, um, I am looking forward to racing up at Palm uh, uh, City up there in Wisconsin. I really haven't raced there. I've been there once and raced, and we did really well. We finished second, um, but that was years ago, and I think the track has changed a little bit since then. But, um, you know, really just looking forward to kind of getting back here to the Midwest um i know they're up in the dakotas and minnesota and stuff like that um which i haven't really raced up there much but it's just nice to be close to home and you know your family and friends can go and watch and you don't necessarily for us have to be out on the road as much so um you know just looking to be around home race around the tracks that i'm somewhat familiar with uh but with that i tend to find myself doing almost better at tracks I've never been to. You kind of just roll in with a fresh mindset. You know, you don't really have expectations for yourself and it's a little bit less pressure, you know, like at Boone, I felt some pressure just with family and friends being there wanting to kind of perform and, and do well. And the same thing with, you know, Fountain city up in Wisconsin, you know, there'll be friends and family that are there. So, you know, obviously want to run well, and and have a good showing so that adds a little bit of extra pressure on me as a driver but um but no i'm just you know really taking it week by week here and just riding this wave you know let's talk about this capital program now that you mentioned you know chassis adjustments and all that on these bigger racetracks that's why you like it um obviously shane clanton was on tour with us and i asked you with him leaving is that going to affect you at all talk about this capital program because there ain't any other capitals on tour you know if you drive a rocket you you could go next door and talk to another driver for advice but you on the other hand you're the only capital out there and you have the third most top tens you're third in points like you're doing really well talk about this capital program well it's really been a process for me it's been really honestly probably five years in the making as far as uh, working with Marshall at Capitol, working with Shane, 
um, and really developing me as a driver as well as the capital race cars and their program. So, um, you know, it, it's nice to have Shane there with us at the track and to rely on him for some advice. Um, but really when it comes down to making decisions on the car and the chassis, um, whether there's a lot of cars there or not, you, you have to make your own decisions on what works and what fits best for you as a driver. So, um, you know, when Shane does come and we were, we're together, it's more talk of, well, this is, you know, how the track will progress throughout the night. This is kind of where you need to be and drive the car. Um, it's a lot more track tips, um, than, you know, setup tips and stuff like that. Cause at the end of the night, we basically, uh, we'll bounce ideas off each other of what we've done or what we've tried, what worked and what didn't. And we make our own decisions in the end. So, um, you know, Shane has a little bit different driving style than I do and what works for him doesn't necessarily work for me, but, um, you know, when we're at the track, um, Marshall, Marshall green capital race cars, um, really does a phenomenal job for me as a driver, just allowing me to call and, you know, whether he's watching at home or whether he's at the racetrack, um, really has a good eye for, for the cars has a good understanding of what the cars need to do and what he wants them to do. And so I work a lot with Marshall on the phone um, or in person for setup tips and advice and um, kind of just an extra set of eyes watching over me and the car that's really helped me progress um, as a driver. Your, your racing hero is uh, Bill Elliott. Have you ever met Bill? Uh, yeah. I've met old awesome Bill from Dawsonville. Uh, years ago, he, he, uh, he showed up at Farley Speedway and raced the late model. Um, I think it was just, you know, a PR thing or whatever, why he was there. I have no idea, but, um, so my dad was racing at the time. So they actually raced together and in the race, they actually raced side by side for quite a few laps. So that was pretty cool just for him and for me and, you know, to experience that. But, um, after the race, my dad gave me a hundred dollar bill and told me to go over and get it autographed by Bill Elliott. So I went over and gave him the hundred dollar bill and he was happy to sign it. And, uh, we still have the hundred dollar bill. It's framed up in my dad's house in his office. And, um, that was a pretty cool experience, you know, to meet somebody that, you know, is your hero or idol and, you know, is in the racing world as well. How did he become your guy? Was was he your driver, you know, before that race, or he was always your, your guy when you were a kid? Well, you know, he was always dad's guy. <clears throat> so, you know, as a kid, you kind of follow in your parents' footsteps a little bit that way. But back then, you either liked Dale Earnhardt or you didn't, and then you liked whoever else he was racing against. So, um, you know, we we I won't say that I didn't like Dale Earnhardt. We were just fans of Bill Elliott. So we had some hellacious battles between each other. And, you know, that rivalry that they had was, you know, it was awesome for the sport. And so, you know, that's how we just, you know, we were just always Bill Elliott fans. So speaking of rivals, do you have any rivals out there in the, in the late model world? Is there anybody that even if you're friendly, you just really want to beat? Uh, well, I don't know. I'm going to tiptoe around this question maybe a little bit, but. Not really, to be honest. You know, I really um, have a lot of respect for all the drivers that compete at our level. Um, I look up, I have looked up to them, and I still do um, in a lot of ways. You know, but obviously, whenever you can beat the blue one, you're doing something. Um, so that's, it, you know, it's it's not a knock on him. You should feel proud that, you know, everybody's kind of gunning for him and their team because, you know, they've, what they've done over the past four or five, six years is pretty incredible, but, um, really no rivals, I guess, you know, I just really look up to everybody. I, um, I kind of take pride in, in, in my driving and being respectful and gaining the respect of my fellow peers and drivers. Um, so that's important to me. 
to you know go about the sport the right way, um, to race the right way, and to gang their respect. Because I got nothing respect for everybody else out there, and you know that's important to me. I always make the case that it's tough to win an outlaw championship when you live west of the Mississippi. But being from Iowa, I feel like the the way the schedule plays out this year, it's not as challenging because you go to Jackson and how you said the Dakota swing, then you have Boone and you Mississippi thunder and you have Davenport, which ain't that far as well. Do you feel that out, uh, drivers that attempt this tour are at a disadvantage if they live west of the Mississippi river? Uh, I guess I, I would tend to agree with that a little bit. Um, especially being from up North, a lot of times our drivers from up here don't venture down South to Florida, Georgia, Carolinas, um, those types of tracks are very challenging and are quite a bit different than what we're used to racing on up here. Um, their dirt just doesn't have the grip. Um, it's, it's slick. It doesn't produce much grip. And so, you know, growing up around here in the Midwest, our dirt is, you know, good black, dark dirt and it produces a ton of grip. So you kind of miss that sensation of, having grip in the car when you race down south you kind of have to train yourself to be more of a momentum racer instead of a come in turn and accelerate off the corner which you can do so more up here so um, I, I guess I would agree with that it is challenging whenever we venture down south it's challenging for me to kind of master those skills that I you know just haven't had to tool up as much so um We'll see, I guess, how it goes here. I mean, there's a lot of season left. We're, we're, we've been real consistent. We're doing well, and we're just riding that wave as long as we can, you know? And, and yeah, you've been really well. Obviously, you're third in points. Um, how do you prepare for the rest of the season? I know things have gone great so far. Is, is there any plans for, you know, something different to change? Are you guys just fundamentals right now? Yeah, really just trying to stay in bounds with our setup. Um, it, it sounds pretty vanilla, but we're really just let's focus on this next weekend, this next race. And I think that's the mindset that you need to contend and potentially win a championship. You can't start looking into the points and checking that every night and be so concerned about where, who finishes. Um, really just need to work on your own program, um, make yourself better and just take it week by week. You know, it's a long grueling season you start woulda, coulda, shooting this early, it's going to be a long year. So um, really just, you know, worried about Fountain City right now, how we can do well up there. And and uh, when we get that one knocked out, we'll worry about the next one. Tyler, let's go ahead and talk about the non-business side because you're, you're a very fun guy. I know you're very busy um, with work and, and racing, but your hobbies aside of that, what do you do? Uh, race and work. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I feel like racing is your main hobby and that's really what you do, but you don't do, you don't do anything else, I guess, like during the off season because you guys have an off season up there. It snows a lot. Absolutely. It gets cold and we get snow. So I love to ski. Um, we go out to Colorado to Aspen and, and ski in the mountains. Um, growing up, you know, we had snowmobiles, so we went snowmobiling and, and did all that fun outdoor stuff. Um, I do enjoy to fish, believe it or not. I don't do it much, but I do enjoy going. It's relaxing for me just to get out and fish and kind of have a good time. So, you know, I do all the outdoorsy stuff that everybody kind of tends to say they do, but just don't do enough of it, you know, pretty busy with work and with racing. And, um, when I'm not doing that, I like to spend time with my kids. So, um, you know, they're getting older and starting to do sports and stuff. So just getting more involved with that. It's been a lot of fun. We talk about you being the third generation. Are we going to see a fourth generation racer? Well, I tell you what, he sure loves to go and, uh, be involved. So, um, if he wants to do it, I'll support him and, and we'll do it. But if he doesn't, you know, that's totally fine with me. Um, whatever he wants to do, or, or even my daughter, if she wants to get involved and do it, you know, I'll support him a hundred percent, but, um, you know, they love to go and be involved and kind of get the weekend away and do a little camping trip in the toter home. So it, it's a lot of fun to have them with. Um, 
and they enjoy to go, but we'll see, I guess. A lot can change over the course of a year. You know how kids are. They they want to play basketball one day, and then they want to do football the next day, and they're all over the place. So, um, you know, right now, Bennett, my son, he really loves to go and, you know, help clean the car and, and do little things like that. So we'll see. Um, that would be cool, fourth generation involved in racing and stuff. But uh, whatever they want to do, I'll support them. Did you play any uh, football, baseball, any sports back in high school, college days? Yeah, I was a three sport guy in high school, um, football, basketball, and track. And uh, I played football in college, um, played at Loris College in Dubuque, which is here in Iowa. Oh, wow. Um, so I was, uh, I lettered all four years as a punter, believe it or not. I was a pretty good punter. Oh, that's cool. And, uh, and then I was also a defensive end. So I'm not the biggest guy per se, but I had good moves and good speed. So, um, and really loved playing football. And that is kind of why I didn't really start having full seasons of racing till I was about 22 years old, because we'd race for half the year and then, you know, fall ball and practice and all that would start. And we just, you know, I kind of had to quit early for the racing season so I could play football. So that's pretty interesting. I, I ain't going to lie. I, I was more in the marching band side, but I always wanted to be a kicker. I just literally, I, I'm an Eagles fan, so I have Jake Elliott's jersey. I just, I'm a big kick, kicker guy. Uh, you're from Iowa. One, The one thing I love about the Dirt Car Summer Nationals is we get to go to Iowa, and that's Davenport. My favorite restaurant is the Machine Shed because I love their country fried steak. I mean, it is the best. So being from Iowa, I think Iowa has some of the best food ever. What's like the best places to eat in, uh, up in Iowa? Well, a lot of my places are going to be hidden gems for everybody else in the world because, you know, it's just a small town, hole-in-the-wall kind of place. But uh, one of my favorite places to go growing up was in Gunder, which is a small little town in Iowa. And they were famous for their uh, one-pound Gunder burgers, which was like a whole plate-sized cheeseburger. and. I just loved going there. Those are so good. But unfortunately, they don't exist anymore. Um, So uh, let's see. The Farley Racetrack, they're known for their pork tenderloins, best in the country. If you ever venture there or there, make sure to try out the pork tenderloin. Um, Otherwise, you know, I really like to experience and try new things. So I'm always, even when we travel, I like to go and try new places and and check out, you know, their hot spots and see what they have to offer. Being, being from Decorah, it's a small town. Do you get a lot of support from Decorah? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, they're not necessarily there in person at the track because we're all over hell, you know, racing. But um, with social media anymore, um, tons of support from the town, from the community, um, you know, which is great for me and i think it's great for iowa and the town and um you know i'm just happy to represent our state the best i can and and, uh yeah we've had tons of support um our area is a real big racing community uh we have a racetrack here in town but unfortunately i've never raced that my whole life my whole career uh just because they don't race late models here but you know, we have a huge racing community here and found the support from everybody, which is great. That's cool. And Tyler, when I saw you at Volusia, uh, we talked about the car looking different this year. It's red. That used to be your dad's color. I feel like it's been a pretty good change for you here in 2021. Absolutely. We might have to stick with this red change for quite a while. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, when I first started, you know, I was always kind of a blue guy. My favorite color is blue. I like blue. So really just was trying to basically do my own thing and start my own legacy per se. Um, but boss man wanted to make a change and, uh, I was good with it. You know, growing up, he always had red race cars and that's what I remember most about the 16 car was, you know, the red cars that he had. So, um, we decided to make the change this year. It was, something that he wanted to do and I supported it I was good with it so um, obviously 
now that we've made the change, I'm all about it. So let's, let's keep it red and let's keep this momentum rolling. Whatever it is, we'll we'll blame it on the red cars for why we're running good. <laughs> That's awesome. I want to backtrack a little bit. Every time I talk to Shane Clanton, he's more business. He's more serious. He's just straight up. He's going to tell you the way it is. Uh, you, obviously, with Capital, having a good relationship with him. Give us a good Shane Clanton, Tyler Bruning story. Well, anybody that knows Shane Clanton knows he can argue with the best of them. Whether it's the sky is blue or the color is red, he's going to argue with you. So, um, I, you know, I'm just poking fun at him. But uh, I guess a good story about Shane is whenever you're down at his shop or whenever we're down there and um, you know, Rusty, his brother works out of his shop down there too, building, you know, their carts and stuff. You would not believe the stuff they argue about. So, um, it's just always fun to be around Shane. You know, he's a good guy. He's been a lot of help for me and I appreciate everything he does for me. Um, but if you can win an argument with that man, you have done something. So, uh, always a good time around Shane. That's, that's good. Um, we had to ask this question. Um, we're, we're almost to the end of this. The the beard. Your beard game is strong. Do, do you use anything for the beard? Like, g- give us, <laughs> like, help us out here, man. <laughs> well, I don't know. I've always been fortunate enough to grow a pretty solid beard. Um, yeah, what's funny is my dad has always been a clean shave, clean cut kind of guy. Um, so he's always given me grief about the beard. So periodically I'll have to shave it off and, and start over again. Um, but I've been letting it stay on longer and longer and he's saying less and less about it. So it might be here to stay. I don't know. Uh, uh, I, I, I like it. I'm going to just keep going with it. You know, well, you went back, you went back to his red paint scheme, so he should let you keep the beard. Absolutely. I agree. You let him know that next time you see him. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Tyler, you've been a joy to talk to. Is there any last thoughts you'd like to share with us or people you'd like to thank? Well, I just want to thank you guys for, you know, calling me and talking with me. I appreciate the time that you guys have given me. Um, I think the six signal interviews that you guys have been doing have been great and awesome. And it's a good way for the fans to learn more about us, the drivers and kind of some more personal stories that we have. So uh, just appreciate that. Uh, obviously I want to, you know, thank my dad for, you know, putting together this deal for me and the team and, and everything he's done for me in my racing career. Um, my crew, uh, I have, I've had Zeb on my crew for many, many years. Couldn't race without him. Nobody could race without some good crew that they have. Um, and Zeb's been with me for a lot of years. Him and Walter are, um, you know, part of the team. So I'm, you know, just want to thank him personally. And obviously Capital and Marshall uh, have been a huge influence on me and our team and <clears throat> the help I've gotten from them is um, special for me. So I appreciate Marshall and his family and, you know, the, the Capital team and all the hard work they've given into me. So, um, you know, obviously our sponsors are, are wonderful sponsors. We couldn't race without the support of the sponsors that we have. So, um, you know, I just, I'm very thankful for the opportunity and, and the, the year and the success we're having. Um, I'm obviously still looking for that first world of outlaws win, but you need to be consistent and run up front before you can start clicking off some wins. So we're checking those boxes and we're looking forward to, visiting with you in victory lane Rube. I, you're you're a kind of a calm guy how excited are you going to be when you get that first morton buildings feature win i'm a little embarrassed i might be pretty emotional i gotta be honest uh ever since i had kids i kind of got to be an emotional kind of guy so um i think uh I, i'm going to be pretty emotional when that comes about it's just you know it's a dream it would be a dream come true for me it, it really would be a, you know it's it's an important thing to me um, it would be a huge accomplishment, and I think I would uh, maybe shed some tears. Well, we've we've seen him interview second and third place before the winter a couple times over the over the years. So yeah, 
That's right. That's awesome. Well, Tyler, we're so happy to have you on the World of Outlaw Tour. Uh, how we said, you could be on the Outlaw Tour, but are you really an outlaw? My friend, you are an outlaw. You're really good. Uh, you're third in points. We're looking forward to see your growth and, and what you have to offer here the rest of the season. I appreciate it, guys. Thank you. What a great guy to talk to. A lot of late model guys don't have a lot of words, but Tyler is a good interview. So uh, it's going to be fun watching him for the rest of the season. Race fans, some house cleaning notes this weekend on Dirt Vision presented by Drydeen. Get your fast pass. Go to dirtvision.com. A lot of good stuff coming up, especially since the busiest part of the of the racing season is coming tonight, which should be Wednesday night. Dirt Car Esports is live. Um, then Friday night, the World of Outlaws, Morton Building's late model series, night one of the Dairyland Showdown at the Mississippi. Mississippi Thunder Speedway. The World of Outlaws NOS Energy Drink Sprint Car Series are at the Eldora Speedway for the hashtag Let's Race 2. And then Williams Grove Speedway VP Fuels Racing Racing Fuels Night and then the Attica Raceway Park. And then Saturday, the World of Outlaws obviously at Mississippi Thunder and the World of Outlaws NOS Energy Drink Sprint Car Series at Eldora Speedway for night number two of the hashtag Let's Race 2. Plus, Knoxville Saturday night and Sunday, Houston Speedway for the Mother's Day opener. So you got action Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday on Dirt Vision. And if you had Dirt Vision, obviously you were entertained last night on Tuesday or on Monday night or Tuesday night, yeah, because it was a lot of good racing. So get that fast pass now at DirtVision.com. Dirt Vision presented by Dryden. Watch every lap live. Race fans, thank you so much for tuning on in to episode number 12. What a fun one. We'll see you all this weekend. Stay safe. Have fun. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there and the single dads as well. So thank you all so much. We'll see you all for episode 13 next week. 